Well, good evening, brother Seth. Thank you for the message. We probably could never hear enough preaching on hell, and uh, to be reminded to go the extra mile. It's a blessing also. I was looking at the context of that uh, passage and. You know, we think of going the extra mile for our brother, but that's in the context of our enemies. Going the extra mile for our enemies. Powerful thing. I'd like to thank uh, Plaque Road Baptist Church for your hospitality. Thank you for your friendliness. And uh, those of you who cooked uh, for the meal tonight, I just want you to know if I die of a heart attack up here, I am not liable. That was good food and different kinds of food. I mean, it wasn't, you know, the standard hot dogs and baked beans and, you know, that was good stuff, wasn't it, brother? Amen. And Brother Lambert, it's good to see you. Yeah, we've had some fun times together and the few times we've been together. And uh, I don't know if the church knows this, maybe you do, I guess I don't remember, but uh, I have a problem remembering things apparently right brother <laughs> Seth <laughs> yeah brother Jason Demlo when I was saved back in 1982 Jason how old were you brother Demlo pastor I should say five six that's how old he was when I was saved and um, so I basically watched him grow up, and then I became his youth director and music director and camp director, and, and uh, we actually became very good friends once he became an adult. And uh, <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> uh, but yeah, we became very close friends, and. Uh, it was, bro- it was your preacher who was on the platform with me when I married Miss Donna Williams. He was, as it were, the best man, and I'm thankful for that. Let's go to the Lord in prayer, and we'll consider the, the scriptures, the word of God. Father, I do pray you'd bless this evening. Uh, Father, what a joy it is for me and my family to be in your local church, way up in Alaska. And Father, to see and to hear, to observe. Father, to be encouraged by the fellowship that we have in Christ. Father, we believe that you're coming back very soon. And may we be found faithful. But until then, Father, we need to be busy doing the Master's business. We need to be getting the gospel to every creature. What an impossible task it is with man. Father, bless the teaching, the preaching this evening. Um, Father, I, I sincerely pray that we'll be doers of the word, not hearers only. Father, change us. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. I have a question for you. Do you believe the words of the Bible to be taken literally? Now, I know there's symbolism in there, but you believe God said what he means and means what he says? You know, in 
the Apostle Paul's day, the Bible says every creature, every creature heard the truth. The Bible says that. In the book of Colossians, every creature under heaven. And with today's technology that we have, we ought to be able to reach every creature somehow with the resources, the money. I mean, we get on planes and fly. They had to go by boat, travel for months. God help us, amen. We've considered the fact that the Lord Jesus Christ promised he would build his church, Matthew 16, 18. And he did just that. He used the materials, the building materials provided by John the Baptist in preparing a people for the Lord. But it didn't start with John. I mean, the gospel did, but we have to give credit to John's parents. This godly couple, Zacharias and Elizabeth, who in their latter years had John. He was a miracle baby, but he was born into what we could call a Christian home. And John had a good upbringing. And we looked at the fact that we as a New Testament church, members in particular built on families, we as parents need to be training our children to be vessels meet for the master's use. So when God wants to call within a New Testament church, we have raised up a generation that God can use. That's our responsibility. And then we looked at the fact that uh, according to Scripture, John the Baptist, he would be great in the sight of the Lord and he would turn the heart of the fathers to the children, if you'll recall. And it really is an unnatural thing for the heart not to be turned to the children of the fathers. And I gave you three things, uh, indications that the heart of a father is not toward his children, if you'll remember. The first thing I gave you uh, was there's no time and attention. There's no attention given the child. There's no correction, no discipline given the child. And there's no affection. There's no love. But when a father's heart is turned toward his children, then the heart of the children will be turned toward the father. And that would be the result of this Baptist preacher's preaching. So tonight we're going to continue uh, looking at John. And, and by the way, I, I still believe that John the Baptist is a good model, a good example of what we as Baptists ought to be. And uh, John's father was filled with the Holy Ghost. John's mother was filled with the Holy Ghost, and so is he. A great example of a Baptist home, how it ought to be. Let's look in uh, Luke chapter 1. We're going to see tonight what Zacharias said when God opened his mouth and he had made him dumb because he didn't believe the angel when he said, you're going to have a child. But John, uh, uh, Zacharias, excuse me, his mouth was opened and he began to prophesy and he said some things about the, the child that God had promised him. Verse 67, and his father Zacharias was filled with the Holy Ghost and prophesied, saying, now skip down to verse 76 for time, and thou, child, shalt be called the prophet of the highest, for thou shalt go before 
the face of the Lord to prepare his ways. And here's what he's going to do. To give knowledge of salvation unto his people by the remission of sins, through the tender mercy of our God, whereby the day spring from on high hath visited us to give light to them that sit in darkness and in the shadow of death to guide our feet in the way of peace. And the child grew and waxed strong in spirit and was in the deserts till the day of his showing unto Israel. Here Zacharias prophesied of what John would be doing as being the prophet of the Most High. Verse 77, to give knowledge. Verse 79, to give light. And also in verse 79, to guide. And this is what was prophesied of John. And then we see in chapter 2, uh, starting, or excuse me, chapter 3, starting for verse 4 and following, we're, we're going to see this actually happening. We fast forward to John's ministry and we see it in real time here in the Bible when he's actually doing that. But let's go back to uh, chapter 1. He says to give knowledge of salvation unto his people. You know, this word knowledge, if you look at the smaller word in the bigger word, you'll see it's the word know. Knowledge. Knowledge is knowing something. And the reason that God had to raise up John the Baptist and send him forth to preach was because there was a whole bunch of people who didn't know. They had no knowledge. And what is it that they didn't have knowledge of? They didn't have knowledge of salvation. The Apostle Paul wrote to the church at Corinth. He said, Awake to righteousness and sin not, for some have not the knowledge of God. And he said, I speak this to your shame. May God help us. It would not be a good thing on Judgment Day for the Lord Jesus Christ to say to a church, Shame on you! There are people who never had the knowledge that they needed to have because you didn't give it to them. You know, this man, John the Baptist, he was called to give knowledge to people. And there's, there's a whole lot that people don't know. Especially in this day and age, brethren, don't assume that people have a, a, a Christian basis that have the knowledge of the Bible anymore. Not, not since decades they've been uh, pushing evolution, which is really devolution, amen? Boy, the devil's clever with that, evolution. Saying, we come from monkeys. And, you know, I learned in uh, science class the reason we don't have a tail. By the way, what's the bottom of your backbone called? Why do they call it that? And they say, well, you don't use it, you lose it, right? And so we don't have our tail because we, we quit using it. Brother, how stupid is that? I'm telling you, if I had a tail, I'd use it. How many of you have had it go like this? Watch. In the summer with the mosquitoes? Right? 
If I had a tail, man, I'd scratch my mosquito bite. Have you ever had to carry things in your hand and then you, you come up to the door, you got to open the door. What do you got to do? You got to put something down and open it up and then, you know, man, if I had a tail, I could open it up, right? <laughs> How stupid is that? Amen. People don't have the knowledge. What is Romans chapter 10, verse 1? Brethren, my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is that they might be saved. For I bear them record, I'll be a witness. They have a zeal of God, but not according to knowledge. And what is it that they don't know? For they being ignorant of God's righteousness and going about to establish their own righteousness. They've not submitted themselves unto the righteousness of God. You know, I, uh, if you want to know how people could even think that they could work their way to heaven and be good enough to heaven, to go to heaven, how could anybody think that? Well, what are they ignorant of? God's righteousness. You know, if we get a glimpse of who God is and his righteousness, we're going to do like Isaiah did. Woe is me, I am undone, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. Even just how we use our tongue would disqualify us from heaven. People don't have knowledge. This is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior, who will have all men to be saved and to come to what? The knowledge of the truth. What is the truth? Well, the truth is the word of God. And so John's ministry was to give knowledge, and it's all wrapped up in the scriptures, the truth of the word of God. He says here to give light. What does the Bible say in 2 Corinthians chapter 4? Turn there quickly with me. John was to give knowledge. He was to give light. And nothing has changed. This is, this is how it must be today. Chapter uh, 4 of 2 Corinthians Therefore, seeing we have this ministry, as we have received mercy, we faint not, but having renounced the hidden things of dishonesty, not walking in craftiness, notice, nor handling the word of God deceitfully, but by manifestation of the truth, that's the word of God, commending ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. But if our gospel be hid, it is to hid the hid to them that are lost, in whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. They need light. They're blinded. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 18. What does that say? How does that read? The Bible says, having the understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God through the ignorance that is in them, without knowledge, the ignorance that is in them, because of the blindness of their heart. So John the Baptist was called, as a Baptist, he was called to give knowledge. He, through the word of God, he was called to give light. The scriptures is that light, the truth of God. And then the Bible says, he was called to guide our feet. You remember the African man, the Ethiopian? He had left Ethiopia on a mission. 
traveled from Ethiopia, Africa, all the way up to Jerusalem. And why did he do that? He was looking for truth, looking for knowledge. There's a lot I could say about that, but maybe I'll preach on the text if God wants me to. But he went to Jerusalem looking for God. And now he's returning. He's in his chariot. He's heading back to Ethiopia. He has the prophet Isaiah. Now, how he got that, I don't know. Did he bring it with him? Did he get it in Jerusalem? The point is, he went to Jerusalem where the church was, and he's leaving lost. That doesn't speak well of the church, really. And... uh, God was concerned for this man. What did he do? He spoke to Philip, who was in Samaria. And, and if you read in Acts chapter 8, the whole city was filled with joy. They were hearing the truth. They were being saved uh, by the stronghold of Satan through Elymas the sorcery. Remember that. And uh, they were hearing the word of God. There was miracles being done. The whole city was filled with joy. And then suddenly, the Spirit of God calls Philip and says, Arise and go. And he, the, the text says, He arose and went. Didn't even ask. I think I would have thought, Well, Lord, there's a whole lot going on in Samaria here. Why do you want me to leave now? People are being saved. People are being saved and baptized. I mean, we are, we are breaking Satan's stronghold here, this sorcerer. And even he made a false profession. He didn't even question God. Arise and go. He arose and went. God was concerned for one person. One person. Just like God was concerned for you and me. And so he arose and went, and, you know, God didn't tell him where to go except go south of Jerusalem on, on the way of to Gaza, which is desert. That's all he told him to do. And then once he got there, he sees this entourage. You know, it wasn't just Philip on a pony. I mean, uh, the Ethiopian on a pony. Listen, this was the guy who worked for the queen. This was the man in high up in government who had the charge of all of her treasure. I can guarantee you the queen sent soldiers and horsemen and guards and security and all that. He wasn't traveling alone. He sees this entourage in the desert, and the Spirit of God said, you see that chariot? Go join yourself to that chariot. And what did he do? The Bible says, he ran. He's on foot. They're on horses. He ran. And he gets there. He hears him read the prophet Isaiah. Sir, do you understand what thou readest? And what did he say? How can I accept some man should guide me? Isn't that what John was sent to do? Give knowledge through the word of God. Go give light to the word of God. Go guide them in the scripture. That's what we're supposed to do, brethren. That was prophesied of John. Well, let's turn over a page and let's see him in action. John the Baptist. I can't wait to meet him. You know, when uh, Elena was, I don't know, five, four, five. (laughs) She's, oh, three. She said, Daddy, when John the Baptist gets to heaven, will he get his head back? (laughs) Yeah, I think he will, Elena. (laughs) 
I mean, can you imagine? Uh, who are you? Well, I'm John. Oh, I didn't know this. <laughs> that was cute, Elena. Okay, let's read Luke chapter 3. Verse 4, as it is written in the book of the words of Isaiah the prophet, saying, The voice of one crying in the wilderness, Prepare ye the way of the Lord, make its paths straight. Every valley shall be filled, and every mountain and hill shall be brought low, and the crooked shall be made straight, and the rough ways shall be made smooth, and all flesh shall see the salvation of God. Let's take a look at this for a moment. All right, here's John. He's been in the wilderness until the showing unto Israel. And we considered last night, I believe it was, one of the sermons. Why did God send him in the, into the wilderness? Why didn't God send him to the synagogue, the place you'd expect to hear a preacher or a teacher of God? Remember what's in the wilderness? Jesus went to the wilderness. The devil's there. Temptations are there. Wild beasts are there. You know, that's exactly how the people were living at that time. I believe that's why God sent, sent them there. You know, in a wilderness, there's no rules. There's no laws. There's no morality. You can live however you want to live in a wilderness. You can do what you want, when you want, with whomsoever you want. There's all kinds of wickedness there. The devil's there. Temptation's there. And so God sent John into the wilderness and he said, Prepare ye the way of the Lord. Now John was sent to prepare a people, but this is how he's doing it. He's saying, you need to prepare the way of the Lord. And notice what he said. Make his path straight. How is that going to happen? Here's, how are you going to prepare yourself for the way of the Lord? Every valley shall be filled and every mountain and hill shall be brought low. Now, we know he's speaking figuratively here. Every high thing that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God must be brought low. Pride, arrogancy, self-promotion, exaltation, self-love, it has to be brought low. John the Baptist, you need to preach. You need to preach the word of God and you need to preach against sin. You need to preach that sinners need to humble themselves. You need to preach that sinners need to come before a holy God and abase themselves. That's Baptist preaching. That's Bible preaching. You know, we as Baptists, we better preach it God's way. And the pressures are ever mounting to silence us, to cause us to, to rough off, you know, to smooth the edges. Preach unto us smooth things. Know those high places need to be brought down. And then it says, every valley shall be filled. You know, down in a valley, you would know this with mountains. You know, from North, from North Dakota, we don't have that. Not on the eastern side. In a valley, that's the low spot. That's the place where the sun doesn't get to directly, oftentimes. That's, where, that's the place where there's the shadows. And every, every valley has to be filled. You bring down by your preaching, preaching against sin, 
Preaching God is high and holy, hell is deep. You preach against sin, you bring down those, those high, exalted things, and then you fill those valleys. In other words, get the word of God in those dark places, in those secret places, in the shadows. Put the light down there by your preaching. You know, I'm thinking of Saul of Tarsus, the one who had blood on his hands of many of our brothers and sisters in Christ. And when that light from heaven shone brighter than the noonday sun at high noon, the Bible says that light shone round about him. There wasn't a space, a spot. There wasn't a square inch at all surrounding Paul that wasn't in the glistering, blazing light of God. And really, it, it, it represents the fact that the truth of God, the word of God, has to shine and it has to expose and it will expose the thoughts and the intentions of the heart. And it has to shine in everything. And listen, if you're here today and you're not saved... You have got to be willing for the truth of God to permeate and touch and, 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 and get to every secret, private place of your life. That light must shine all the way around you. And you've got to be honest with God about who you are and how you live and what you do. Everything has to be brought into light. And listen, if you as a sinner are not willing to approach God on the basis and on the grounds of truth, you'll never be saved. If there's any part of your life, you're saying, God, I'll, I'll give you 85, 95% of my life, but there's a portion of me off limits to you. No trespassing. There's, there's a closet in my life. You can't have access to that. You can have everything else from me, God. I'll give you everything else. But there's a portion, there's a part, there's a piece of me. You can't go in there. My friend, that is not repentance. And that's what John the Baptist preached, and that's what we need to preach. We got preaching today, and it's, it's weak on repentance. Let's read on. Verse 7. Then he said to the multitude that came forth to be baptized of him, O generation of vipers, who hath warned you to flee from the wrath, the wrath to come? Bring forth, therefore, fruits worthy of repentance, and begin not to say within yourselves, Oh, we have Abraham to our father. For I say unto you that God is able of these stones to raise up children unto Abraham. Bring, therefore, forth fruits meet for repentance. You know, John didn't just baptize anybody. You know, if the, you know, there's a time, preacher. There's a time to say, let's just wait until I baptize you. Let's just wait a while. Just come visit church. Let's just come and, and observe and listen and see if this is really the place that God is leading you. But let's just wait before we baptize you. I want to see fruits of repentance. That's biblical. Amen? And then, of course, you've got these people who think, you know, they're God's gift to God. Oh, we have Abraham to our father. It's because of who I am, my pedigree. 
Verse 9, And now the axe is laid unto the root of the trees. Every tree, therefore, which bringeth not forth good fruit is hewn down, cast into the fire. Amen, brother. We need to hear about hell. People need to hear about hell. And we need to preach hell as God gave it in the word of God. Look at verse 10. And the people asked him, saying, What shall we do then? He answereth and saith unto them, He that hath two coats, let him impart to him that hath none. And he that hath meat, let him do likewise. Then came also publicans to be baptized and said unto him, Master, what shall we do? And he said unto them, Exact no more than that which is appointed you. <coughs> Excuse me, in verse 14. And the soldiers likewise demanded of him, saying, And what shall we do? And he said unto them, Do violence to no man, neither accuse any falsely, and be content with your wages. You know, as we preach the word of God, which is what missions is about, getting the word of God, giving the, getting the knowledge to people, getting the light, guiding them in the scriptures that they might be saved, and then baptized and churches started. You know, the gospel message is the same for everybody. Only Jesus can save. But the application of the gospel in people's lives are different. And you see this, you see this played out here. Just be careful with these, you know, four steps to salvation. And it's the same for everybody. And, you know, we just go through these steps and, all right, now I'm finished with lesson number four. Ready to pray. You got to be careful for that. Did you notice that John the Baptist answered each of these inquiries differently? He didn't give them a pat answer. It wasn't the same answer for everybody. And I believe the Spirit of God led John the Baptist. He was filled with the Spirit from his mother's womb. I believe God uh, led John the Baptist in giving the answer he did depending on who he was speaking to. He, he said to the people generally, what, when they said, well, what shall we do? He answereth and saith unto them, he that hath two coats, let him impart to him that hath none. And he that hath meat, let him do likewise. Now, if somebody did that, would that save them? That's not going to save them. You know, it's like the rich young ruler. Good master, what good thing shall I do that I might inherit eternal life? He says, well, thou knowest the commandments. And then he named them. He named the commandments that deal with man's relationship to man. And Jesus said, one thing thou lackest. After he said, all of these have I kept from my youth up. Whoa, well, there's one thing you're lacking. Oh, really? What's that? Go and sell all that you have and give unto the poor and then pick up a cross and follow me. Something like that, right? Listen, if he would have done that, would that have saved him? Of course not. But why, why is John saying this here? And why did, why did Jesus say it to the rich young ruler? Because God knows the hearts of all people. And usually, this is how it is with sinners. My sin may not be your sin. 
your sin may not be his sin. But when it comes to a sinner lost in, 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 in their sin, there's usually one big main sin that is the dominant factor in that person's life. You know the biggie? And you know what sin, by the way, I know what sin it was for you before you were saved. You're probably wondering how I know. Mm -hmm. I know the sin that, that controlled him before he was saved. I know what it is. And when it came time for him to repent, that's the thing that God was dealing with. Would you like to know? Let me tell you what it is, Brother Lambert. It's the one you're thinking about right now. Am I right? You see, I knew, didn't I? Amen? There's usually that main sin that defines who the sinner is. And we see that in 1 Corinthians chapter 6. Know ye not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God? Be not deceived, neither fornicators, nor adulterers, nor idolaters, nor effeminate, nor abusers of themselves with mankind, and the list goes on. And of such were some of you. Well, listen, does fornication send somebody to hell? No, there's, there's adulterers and fornicators and murderers and drunkards in heaven. But when they were on the earth, they were those kinds of people until they got saved. But why does, why does the Bible say, neither fornicators? Fornicators don't go to heaven. You know why? Because if that is what defines you, if that's really who you are, you are a fornicator. You're lost. Now, that doesn't mean a saved person can't fall into fornication. I'm not concerned about the person who, who in their weakness, falls into fornication, but I am concerned if it doesn't bother you. Listen, if that's what defines you, you're not a saved person. If you're an adulterer, if you're a drunkard, you see. Well, in this, these, people, these people's case, to whom John was speaking, he said, if you've got two coats, you need to give one. If you've got meat, you need to do likewise. What, would, what, what, was, what was their sin? Covetousness, perhaps? I'm not, I'm not giving you what I've got. This is mine. Covetousness, greediness, that was the sin that controlled them. And that was the sin they had to repent of if they were going to come to Christ and be saved. Look at verse 12. Then came also publicans to be baptized and said unto him, Master, what shall we do? And he said unto them, Exact no more than that which is appointed you. What, what were publicans known for? Being thieves, right? Stealing? Right? Collecting more? The love of money? Being dishonest? Being liars? Being cheaters? That's what these people were. And John said, if you want to come to Christ, you know who you are. You know what you are. You know what defines you. You need to repent and come to Christ and let him save you. That was their big sin. <coughs> Look at verse 14. 
This is interesting. And the soldiers likewise demanded of him. Now, the others came and asked, but these soldiers are being, they're demanding of him saying, and what shall we do? And he said unto them, do violence to no man, neither accuse any falsely, and be content with your wages. These, this was a threefold answer, right? Well, these soldiers, they had the sword. You know, they were the, they were the, the, the police. They were the ones in authority, and it, it appears to me that they like to push their weight around. They would like to take advantage of the fact you know, I'm, I'm the police. I've got the sword. You either do what I say or I'm going to, you know, arrest you. I'm, gonna, I'm going to smear you. I see that happening in South Africa. They want bribes. And if you don't do it their way, I'll tell you what, they're the police. You can't argue with them. They'll, they'll, they'll arrest you. And you've got to pay a bribe to get out of it. Do violence uh, to no man. Neither accuse any falsely. That's what, they would, that's what they were doing. And then he says, be content with your wages. Boy, they, they love money. They love power. They love position. And that's really who they were. And, and, and John the Baptist said, you need to repent of that. You need to come to Christ, turn away from that, and let him save you, all of you. This is Baptist preaching. This is missions in action. This is John preparing a people for the Lord. This is what he preached. All right, one last thing. Have you ever noticed in the Bible that after Bible preaching, we see examples of, well, let me, let me tell you what, what we don't see exactly how we do it. You know, as Baptists, we got traditions, right? Not all, not all Baptist traditions are good. Not all Baptist traditions are biblical. And after we preach, we'll have an invitation, sing three hymns of Just As I Am, and try to get people to say a prayer, right? You know in the Bible how they did it after the, there was Holy Spirit Bible preaching? You don't really see the preacher inviting them to come, as it were, having what we call the altar call and the just as I am. In every case, after John the Baptist preached with the Spirit of God, the power of God, preaching the Word of God, the sinners came to him and said, what shall we do? It's the opposite. Remember when Peter preached on the day of Pentecost? Men and brethren, what shall we do? I'll tell you what, when they come asking that question, you know they're ready to be saved. But when we have Baptists, and I don't think they do it here, you got Baptists who put pressure on people to coerce people to come forward, and then they say, well, repeat after me. Really? There's no prayer. There's no prayer that can save anybody. It's not the prayer that saves. Have you ever noticed, brother, that gospel tracts are aimed, they're always aimed at weeping. They give a few verses on a gospel tract, and then at the end of it, if you'll say this prayer, that's emphasizing the prayer. I'll tell you what, if a man's drowning in a lake, you don't have to put words in his mouth. 
to tell them what to say. God, God wants to hear it from your heart, in your own words. You know, we like, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And we like, you know, Romans 10, 9. That if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. We like those verses. Repeat after me. But have you ever noticed what verse 8 says? The word is nigh thee, even in thy mouth. I don't have to put words in your mouth. They're already there if you're ready to be saved. Amen? Well, this is how John prepared people, and this is what he preached. This is what his message was. Let's stick with the book, and let's do it God's way. Amen? That's the best way. Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for this great example we have in the first Baptist, John. Father, I, I pray that we will do what we can to stay as close, as close, right on the truth as we possibly can. And Father, you've given us these examples, it says in the Bible. These are our examples. We dare not change the message and what we preach. And Father, it's even dangerous to change methods sometimes. And Father, I believe that this church is very much concerned about starting other churches in reaching the lost. That's a blessing. But Father, perhaps there's more they can do. They can go the next mile. And Father, perhaps they need to examine to make sure they're doing it God's way. And Father, we dare not change. So have your will. I pray in Jesus' name.